1: There's fun and there are deep thoughts ahead for today's Spirit in Action. If you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I take religion seriously, for better or worse, but also that I have a big sense of humor. So today's guest is going to help us laugh at one of the faces by which religion presents itself in the USA, and to turn its facade around for our amusement, amazement, and profoundment. Rev. Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping are talking and singing about some really important stuff by making theater and drama around it. It can be issues like racism or police brutality or consumerism or Standing Rock or many other things. But at the root of it all, it's about living a rightful connection with the earth. While Rev. Billy often talks the crowd up in a simulated revival style, the Stop Shopping Choir revs up the energy through music. For 18 years now, Rev. Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping have been doing creative actions for justice and the planet and providing their voices to energize social activism. But one thing that's new is the weekly podcast that Rev. Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping are putting out, before I get Rev Billy live on Zoom, I'm going to share with you a part of the podcast from last week. It was entitled Extinction and the Urban Hipster. And about seven minutes in, Rev Billy starts up his special style and content of sermon, stop shopping style. Here's his 10 minute sermon, and then we'll get Rev Billy of the Church of Stop Shopping on the line. Tell it, Billy, Earth Alleluia.
2: And the message today is imagining the good, trying to get that kind of imagination going where we're thinking of good things, good results. Boy, that's radical, isn't it? You know, if it's not a sentimental Hallmark card, but it's real good, (laughs) that's radical good because things have gotten that bad. First of all, let's ask ourselves, let's find the good where it is right in front of us. Let's ask ourselves that question. And the answer to that question is Black Lives Matter. This is love. This is anger. This is community. All kinds of us making quick, deep relationships. Strangers meeting strangers. Marching together, shouting together. That instant community, I believe, is what makes it such a pleasure, a jolt of electricity when we hear about a community uprising, a Standing Rock, an Occupy Wall Street, you know, the Women's March, Parkland. we have suddenly a collection of people who are making quick, deep friendships. They are comrades right away. And that trust puts a kind of electricity in the air, and it goes out across the mountains and valleys, across the ocean. A couple days after George Floyd's murder, there were rallies in London and across the world. So there's good right where we just rallied. There's good right here. We don't have to get abstract and full of isms and talk about potential years from now. We don't have time for that. We have such an emergency no, it's happening right here. Black Lives Matter has gone everywhere in time and space, impacting the presidential election. People are taking what they learn from BLM in their bodies into back into their everyday lives, finding how their contracts with insurance companies, how their walk through their own neighborhood, how they connect language-wise with their best friends, all of that is now being reviewed. We're finding the racism, systemic racism, in the ordinary. So Black Lives Matter is what we have to have for life itself. Now, all these people are saying blue lives matter and so forth. All life matters. That, that's We're dangerously close to something that is used as a pretext for racism. The earth simply is in a state of extinction. And we have to develop ways to make communities for the earth to combat climate violence and extinction, which is, of course, racial in its victimization. Not just the global south. We always hear that about climate change. But just this city I live in, New York City, you can come up with examples immediately. The cancer-producing pesticides are sprayed on the poorer parks. And that goes into the neighborhoods around the poor parks and the waste dumps and the refineries and the plastics factories. And the, this is all uh, victimizing black and brown people working poor. This is also justice here locally, but it's justice universally. The idea that we have the right to live and that the we includes the earth. The earth has the right to live. The earth needs to find a way to evolve through this sixth extinction. So our earth activism, we have to refine it. We had a great march with Greta Thunberg last September, but those individual marches were that magical instant community that gives us that rush of recognition. Oh, yes. Yes. Now we're being human beings, that nomadic family on the savannah. Oh, yes. Now we're being the revolution that rose up against the monarchy. We have many histories and memories that come into us. And it's a pleasurable thing. The first time I heard about Black Lives Matter in Ferguson, the first time I heard about Standing Rock, do you remember that jolt of pleasure? That deja vu of justice, of liberation? Got to find that now for the earth. The ecosystem that we were supposed to be, the family that we were supposed to be, the defeat of the guns, the defeat of the pixels... The strength of our togetherness, that jolt of love, that many peoples, all of us together, saying that life is good, deserves to survive. Earth alleluia. The earth speaks to us about this. The earth, last week we had a pandemic across the country a wildfire, a significantly huge wildfire in California. And then on the East Coast, we had a hurricane that went all the way from Georgia to Boston. Well, what is the earth saying to us? The earth culture, indigenous people, the African-American people who came here under duress, violently forced, the slaughtered native people who the First Nations people of all of all the earth cultures, they have, they have a common prophecy and a common, a common feeling that they share about the great spirit, our clumsy translation. And they always say, when they finally get around to responding to our entreaty and they can overcome their, their boredom of having to teach us, they always say the earth speaks and that we need to address the earth through our ancestors. And through the seven generations back, past birth as well, that river of time. That holds that pleasure for us, that holds that signal for us. Earthlia. Earth We have a kind of radicalism to discover now. And the environmental movement has not shown us that radicalism. It has not shown us that. Community because they are imitating the corporations which are that oppressor. So they have CEOs that make a million dollars a year. They're crunching numbers all the time. They're sitting at desks with computers. And they have wonderful people in those Sierra clubs. They have wonderful people inside that get away to the natural world. But their attitude is colonializing. It's let's save the world. Litigation and lobbying. Legislation that's too late, too little. We have the earth speaking to us. And we have an apocalyptic kind of ecology. The Greek kind of apocalyptic. The revealing, the shaking up kind of ecology. The apocalyptic ecology. A lot of little Greek syllables there. We have a journey into the other that is so thorough that we become the other and stop having a guilty relationship with the United States and just leave, and come back home. Come back home to our USA neighborhood. We've got twelve American flags within a hundred feet of our front door here in Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn. We've got a job to do. Go out into that ecosystem. Go out into that cloud bank, that superstorm go into that disease, come back home healthy and safe, and have the guts to sing to our neighbors the songs that come to us from the earth. Earth, hallelujah, there is a way to do this. Right now, the earth is moving on without us, and they, she, the multiple genders of the earth, well, they should do that. We're not going to save the earth, but we might have a chance of having that natural world be in us, becoming the natural world that we are. We have the earth inside of us. Said that so many times on the Reverend Billy radio show, that's, that's woo, that's basic to this ministry, this post-Christian ministry. We have the earth inside of us with the instruction manual for making community in us. How do you make an ecosystem that's working? It's in us. Thousands upon thousands of living beings within us. Earth, hallelujah. Earth, hallelujah, let's build over the coming weeks. And I'm not going all the way to the answers right now. But working together in community, the answers will come up in our bodies. Recognizing that pleasure, the jolt of community, that radically pleasurable feeling of being together.
1: So there you have what was an excerpt, essentially the Rev. Billy-style sermon or message from the weekly podcast from Rev. Billy in the Church of Stop Shopping, available on the Revbilly.com website. But now we're going to switch on over to the real thing and get Rev. Billy live on Zoom, joining us from New York City, along with some of the music from the Stop Shopping Choir. Billy, so great to have you here today for Spirit in Action.
2: Earth, luia Glad to be with you, Mark.
1: How much do you love the earth? Come on. Can you give me a shout out? <laughs>
2: <laughs> earth, luia children. I've got a big forest right in my window here. Yeah, I love it. It engages my love.
1: You're in New York City. How Earth, luia is it around you?
2: That's a fair question. What I have in my window is Prospect Park. Now, that same architect of parks, Frederick Olmsted, who designed many of the parks around the country, including Central Park, he also designed Prospect Park back in the middle 1800s. He had been influenced by Japanese gardening before he designed Prospect Park. So there's a, there's a, a feeling of a divine shaping. And it's also got a rough quality. It's got a quality that is natural feeling. It doesn't feel decorated or forced like i think that some places in central park you get that feeling so uh, i love prospect park glad to live here with my 10 year old and my partner and we go out for long walks every day
1: and you're not originally a new york city boy are you
2: i'm originally from the state of wisconsin have you ever heard of it mark
1: (laughs) i wonder i
2: i grew up in uh menominee on highway 94
1: It's a long road from right by Stout, UW Stout there in Menominee. Of course, you were too young to be connected much with that to New York City. What took you eastward?
2: Well, I was a person who connected with jazz music and I would listen to jazz, uh, you know, Coltrane and Miles and Mingus on my radio. Very early on, I started reading the beatniks, started reading on the road and started uh, as soon as I could, I was hitchhiking. When I was uh, 15, 16, I think I started hitchhiking probably before I was legally out there. I was out down on the side of the road in the 60s, and I remember hitchhiking down to Madison, Wisconsin to listen to Jimi Hendrix and some of the great cultural warriors of those days. Madison was my doorway to the world, I would say. I went there in 68 from Green Bay. I'd moved to Green Bay since uh, Menominee. So I had gone straight, almost straight east to Green Bay. I also lived almost straight west, Watertown, South Dakota. And I still have two sisters in Minneapolis. So that was my native habitat. But Madison is where I I encountered all, all the different people of the world in Madison, Wisconsin. All the races, all the genders, all the belief systems, you know, and it's this gigantic community. In the late 60s, of course, we joined the black students immediately struck the campus in 68. We were on strike right away. And Vietnam and Eugene McCarthy and George McGovern and, uh, went right into that whole world of resistance politics. And I really have not stopped my break from the Christian Reformed Church through the beatniks to Madison. I, I would say that was a way to generalize. I don't think I've ever, lo- I've ever looked at it that way in my life, Mark. I think that you've inspired this, <laughs> this narrative
1: except there's a great narrative going on with Rev Billy and the stop shopping choir there's we and you know we've already heard a sermon by you which gives you a bit of the flavor and particularly that earth rooted flavor but it's it's more than that i mean there's justice that gets rooted in the earth right and that certainly seems to be what you're about so was it the beatniks that radicalized you is that what you're saying is that because okay the Reformed Church, Dutch Reformed Church, is generally known as pretty conservative. I, <laughs> yeah. I, how about a little understatement? I, I
2: would say so. <laughs> <laughs> Holland, Michigan, baby. Betsy DeVos, Blackwater, USA, apartheid. You know, they wrote the intellectual basis for the Dutch people in South Africa for that racist regime. The Christian Reformed Church, the Calvinists, I had to break away decisively. I had to I had to get out. And a lot of those folks are Trump supporters. A lot of my old relatives are Trump supporters. It's the other side of the divide, Mark.
1: Could you give me a little bit of the flavor of your upbringing? How long were you? I mean, it's not unusual for kids by the time they're teens, early teens, to break away from the church environment. When did it happen for Billy Talon?
2: I would say the culture started flooding into our house. The Beatles and James Brown and the whole Motown invasion, the whole British invasion, Bob Dylan and the folk invasion, Joan Baez, who is a supporter of the church. She's been our faithful supporter through the years. She's been on stage with us a number of times. So I would say also that my parents kept moving to towns that were not quite as strong in their Calvinist society. Green Bay is Catholic. You know that about Green Bay? Sure, Watertown, South Dakota, we were in the Lutheran Church there. There was no Christian-reformed church in Watertown, South Dakota. Rochester, Minnesota, I was born in a Catholic hospital. St. Mary's, it's now been absorbed into Mayo Clinic. So where they were going in their employment from Menominee to Watertown to Green Bay, these were not strong Christian-reformed towns. And so we ended up Moving a little bit off the fundamentalist beam, there, you know. As soon as you're a Lutheran, you're a sinner, <laughs> right? <laughs> and if you're in a Catholic in a Catholic town, well, forget about it. You're a Papist. <laughs> so uh, that's a, the the uh, the Calvinists of Holland, Michigan, are a sect. That's a very self-enforcing group of people, and they don't go outside of that sect very much. There's some smatterings of Dutch Reformed churches in uh, Iowa and Wisconsin. And around the Chicago area, Holland is the mecca of that sect.
1: <laughs> wow, mixed metaphor there, mecca.
2: <laughs> that's another. That's another. That's another fundamentalist. Uh, getting bouncing around in our fundamentalist metaphors here. My partner Savitri, her father is a fundamentalist Muslim. The Church of Stop Shopping, you know, if you could see me right now, I'm in my costume here. I just decided to get in my right-wing apocalyptic televangelist outfit for Mark for, to, <laughs> to kind of get him in the mood. <laughs> uh,
0: Earth, luia let's Earth-a-luia. go. Okay. I,
2: it's a, It's a bright orange suit with a collar and high hair. So I do a satirical right-wing Christian televangelist. So I've learned a lot. From uh, Jimmy Swagger and Jerry Falwell and all the right wing preachers I've learned. I've studied their styles and I've come up with my own style. And earlier this year, I got arrested invading the church of Billy Graham, now run by his son, Reverend Franklin Graham, who's much more of a racist and homophobe than his father seemed to be. He's much more hard ass and a supporter of Donald Trump. But we planted a rainbow flag right next to his facility here in New York. He was kind of camped out during the middle of the pandemic. He had a kind of field hospital there called Samaritan's Purse, and it was in Central Park. And they had a deal with a local, a local ministry, St. John the Divine, the big Episcopal Church, and they had a deal with Mount Sinai, a big hospital. They had about 14 tents there, and fundamentalist nurses and fundamentalist doctors in their website, it made it look like they were trying to convert people on their deathbed. <laughs> they were, and it's a, it's a real Christian missionary idea, threaten people with hell and invite them into heaven. And so I grew up with that and I couldn't stand it. And Salvatry, of course, from a, another fundamentalist background. So we we just said, this cannot stand. This is not New York City. And we both have my great grandfather, William I, Billy the I, He jumped ship here in the 1880s at about the time they were building the Statue of Liberty. Savitri's relatives, also a background in New York. We have an idealized idea of New York. We're like, you know, old time romantic New Yorkers who came back here from out West. And boy, oh boy, it just was insufferable to us that this homophobic racist guy, Reverend Graham, friend of Donald Trump, one of the first big megachurches to support Trump in 2016. You remember when his polls went up? And they are still his base. We went out to Central Park and we planted the rainbow flag right at the back door of this field hospital. And we got tackled, tackled by the cops. I mean, it was really, they were scared. They were scared of this activist in a preacher's outfit, planting the gay flag at the back door of this friend of the president. And they really acted like soldiers. They tackled me and they put me in in prison overnight. And then they dropped all the charges. They just... (laughs) (laughs) Because indeed, it's a public park, and why am I not here planting a rainbow flag? So that's one of the things that I would talk about with you had you asked me. (laughs) <laughs> I hope I've gone off on a tangent. I'm a preacher. I'm it's a, a preacher. good tangent. It's a good tangent. I
1: like it. So that just happened this past week, right?
2: No, that happened in April. That happened in the middle of the pandemic when we were losing a thousand people a day in New York City.
1: But I know that this past week, Wednesday, you also got arrested. Oh, I don't know if you got arrested. You did an action. Uh, tell me about that one.
2: We're still physically recovering from that one. It was back on Wednesday, the 19th. We discovered where this racist leader of the police union in New York City, who's very similar, just to orient some of my Midwestern friends who are listening here, very similar, and he's got to be friends with that now infamous leader of the Minneapolis police union. Very similar. Our guy's name is Patrick Lynch. Good old Irish, Oh, Patrick what a Lynch. good name. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he lives out in Bayside, Queens. And we went with uh, several, the Bayside Black Lives Matter people and several groups. And we were there, about 10 of us from the Stop Shopping Choir. And well, he's just got to be fired. He's got to be run out of town. He's got to be, he's, he has been all my life in New York, dates back to the late 80s, all my life here. That I remember, he goes back to at least Giuliani. Every time there was a police person shot an unarmed person of color, he was defending it. He was saying it was necessary, no matter what the circumstances. He was always, he would never apologize. They would withhold all the evidence of what happened, like that guy in Minneapolis who said it was okay to shoot George Floyd or break his neck, Derek Chauvin with his knee in his neck. That guy, the leader of the Minneapolis Union, he said it was all right. He defended it. And he'll defend Derek Chauvin. He'll have legal counsel for him and he'll have... So these are like mafia figures. They're like gangsters running a racketeering outfit. That's what Eric Holder called the police department in Ferguson, Missouri. He said, this is like racketeering. And he used the racketeering laws, didn't he, to try to enforce and force out of positions of power the traditional leaders there, the police superintendent and so forth. So we were there, we found out where he lived and we were there they kept us about a half a block away with the fence. a fence a of there were 50 cops there and members of the union big kind of army of people but we sang songs and we chanted and I think the main thing that made it a successful direct action was that this mystery man who just came out of nowhere and defended murders he is now on notice that he's a citizen in our town who lives on a street at an address. So his neighbors have risen up against him. The Bayside, his local Black Lives Matter people, they have taken us there. And he cannot keep murdering people with impunity. His budget is $5 billion. And it used to be $6 billion before Black Lives Matter took place. A billion dollars was trimmed from his budget. So- That was a very successful direct action. That is American protest at its best.
1: And you didn't go to jail for that one, didn't get tackled or anything? No, we believe
2: that they probably got good advice. Don't make a martyr tonight. Don't draw more attention to this than must be drawn. It was in the papers the next morning, but had there been pictures of an arrest or handcuffing that would have driven a larger story, they probably knew what they were doing. But we didn't push their police fences over. We didn't force ourselves towards the house. You know, he has a family. He's a criminal, but he has a family. And he should be, in, rather than attacking him in a criminal way, we would rather that he met justice by way of a justice system that has reformed itself sufficiently to call to justice these kinds of people. Because, of course, the justice system, as it is now, protects the police. Even the killer of Philandro Castile in Minneapolis, that officer shot an unarmed person through the window of his automobile in front of his child. That kind of thing is protected in the courts as they are right now. Although they, they begin to have a few people have started to be Derek Chauvin is still in prison, for instance, the killer of George Floyd. So there's some justice beginning now.
1: I do want to remind folks that you are listening to Spirit in Action. Our website, NorthernSpiritRadio.org with all 15 years of our programs there for your comments. We like you to rate them. We love to have you suggest more guests for us. And we've got here today the Reverend, and I use that with my tongue firmly in my cheek. Rev- <laughs> Reverend Billy.
2: Love, hallelujah. Love,
1: And he is associated with the Stop Shopping Choir. You can find out a whole lot about them if you go to RevBilly.com. But links to all of our guests the last 15 years are on our website. There's also a donate button, which is how this full-time work is supported. Please remember to donate here, but even more so, support your local media. I think that's super important. Community radio, and we're carried on some 40 stations nationwide. None actually right in New York City, but we're not too far away. We've got stations all over the country carrying us and they're carrying so many other great sources of news and music and we're going to listen shortly to some music from the stop shopping choir but please first billy can you explain for me what the stop shopping choir is i'm not quite sure i mean you're you come from an artistic side you you told us about Jimi hendrix and other people who were part of the inseminating and leading you into the world of jazz and or beyond and to Motor City, right? All of these things that were going on that were part of fertilization for the person who becomes Rev. Billy. You said you were in Madison. As for all I know, you were studying music, or maybe you were studying theater, or maybe you were studying earth politics. I don't know. What was it?
2: I was in the Mickeljohn School, which is a subset inside of the University of Wisconsin. It's a study of culture generally. It has kind of a survey course approach. Uh, So I would just say that I was in the humanities. Everybody in my generation was interested in music and the relationship of music to justice. That is the basis for our earth religion. Humor and music, direct action politics, that's earth justice. I would say that everybody in the choir is involved in our actions. There were 10 of us at this action the other night at the home of this murderous, violent police figure here in New York, but there's always a group of us in some combination. There were only four of us when we went to the field hospital of that homophobic church, the Billy Graham Church last spring. When you're saying that you love the earth and you, you want to go on, you want the sixth extinction to allow life to continue... Well, then you're you're embracing lots of different campaigns, and we are able to do that. We're able to help other people because we're musicians and we can lead a parade. We can sing for your fundraiser. Uh, We're useful for our prayers to the earth. Some of the environmental movement people, they're uneasy with the spiritual dimension of earth activism. And we're just all out. We're just saying, excuse me, the natural world is a miracle. Absolutely, You can't explain a tree. You can't explain an ecosystem. It's all mysterious. It's all powerful. It made us. It gave us our lives. It gives us our death. We are post-religious. We don't subscribe to the Christian and Muslim and Jewish and Hindi. We're not organized religious, but we can get on our knees in a forest anytime. We can worship our local ecosystem and ask for our message to be heard by whatever mystery thing that is. We don't give it a name, but it's in us. It's life affirming. It's in us. And justice itself as a spiritual life, because justice, we believe justice, we're more in touch with earth. You know, there's the earth justice movement and there's the environmentalist movement. The environmental movement is based in these big non-governmental agencies that send you panda tote bags for a gift of $75. And, you know, there are wonderful people inside the big NGOs, don't get me wrong, but the NGOs as institutions have been a failure. They've been weak. Earth justice is when you have a neighborhood group that's trying to keep a refinery from coming into the neighborhood. That tends to be black and brown and poor. (laughs) There's a group called Earth Justice. It's a big national group called Earth Justice. They tend to be people on the ground who are suffering from the cancer that comes into their body from exposure to Monsanto, to pesticides. They're suffering people, and they go straight to people who are confronting the legal system and saying you can't kill people. So the earth justice people, we tend to go there. You know, we'll go to Marktown, Indiana, where they have that big whiting tar sands refinery just east of Chicago. We'll go there and we'll sing to that town. And they're all suffering those diseases associated with being right next door. That's what they call a sacrifice community. So the Church of Stop Shopping is very much in touch with earth justice, where human justice and earth justice are the same thing. Amen, praise be.
1: And you've been doing a podcast recently, and it's a combination of your talking, events, discussion, and music. So to be part of the Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir, is it required to be uh, virtuoso?
2: First of all, let me quote my partner, the director of the Church of Stop Shopping, Savatry will tell you that the biggest thing about singing is the belief that you can sing. So I'm talking to you now, right, Mark? Right. Well, preaching is halfway to singing. Preaching is well. Hello, Mark. Helps me. How are you today? how is it out there in that <laughs> lovely Wisconsin, that Western Wisconsin with all those, those rolling hills? I love that place. I grew up there, in fact. And then somebody who's <laughs> singing, they believe they are singing. And the belief sends the note up to, how are you, Mark helps me? How are you today? You know, then you're singing. So when we have somebody come through the activist door, and they know how to parade in public space, and they know how to confront police, how to dance away from them if they don't want to get arrested, how to submit to them in a way that they don't get hurt if they do want to get arrested. They're familiar with all that, or they come through the musical door and they haven't really gotten arrested very often. And they're, what they've done is they've been on stage, they've been on, in cabarets, they've been singing in quote unquote musical spaces. Well, the musical people teach the activists how to sing, and the activists teach the musicians how to sing. And we have some musicians who are ho- uh, Broadway stars. This year, we had a Tony nominee.
1: Oh, wow.
2: There's nothing more talented than a person in New York that doesn't have any work. <laughs> <And>
1: <laughs> Where can waiting. you put all that talent? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so Amber, when the pandemic shut down the Broadway play, Hades Town. She was suddenly back with us on Sundays, rehearsing with us.
1: So could we have a song to, I guess I want to strut the stuff of the Stop Shopping Choir.
2: All right. Now let's just go straight to the name that we have is the Church of Stop Shopping. And we are very big on Buy Nothing Day at the holidays. You'll find us out in front of Macy's trying to talk people into, go another way. Now you don't, you don't have to buy a gift this year. You can make a gift. You don't have to go in here into this carbon-heavy footprint. Come on. Macy's isn't good for the earth. Don't order it on Amazon. Don't do that. Those delivery trucks, those jets, they're poisoning the earth. Go get a gift in a little mom-pop store that you can walk to or a thrift store or a swap store. Come on now. You can change. I can change. You know, so we're, we're anti-consumerists. We think that the basis of justice in 2020 is to simply don't give the monster the food he wants. Don't feed the gas and oil monster, okay? So we have a song that is kind of our anthem. We're gonna play it for you right now. The Stop Shopping Choir. It's called The Shopocalypse.
1: The shapocalypse coming from the Stop Shopping Choir. Here goes. Musical extravaganza was by Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir. Shapocalypse is the song or the anthem that they use. It's, it's one of many songs. There's 40 or 50 you can find out there. Their website, go via RevBilly.com. And we're talking to Rev Billy. Billy Talon is his civilian name, I guess, when he doesn't have the big hair and the orange coat and the, <laughs> the collar on there. And just by the way, how do you make that hair big? Do you do something, or is it just normal? Mine, as you can tell, is kind of disappearing. Right?
2: It's your aura, Mark. It's your aura (laughs) that really—you got a big aura.
1: I got a very white aura aura with this beard,
2: (laughs) (laughs) bigger than Elvis Presley's hair. Your your aura. Yeah. Yeah, How how do you get that? I I try to go to those, you know, those organic stores and get that hair care that isn't uh, fossil fuel based. Sometimes I'm on the road, and I run out of stuff, and I have to go to some drugstore and get something that has got to be poisonous, probably comes into my brain as well as into the local ecosystem. So we have, you see that Apocalypse song combines the two things we've been talking about here, Mark. It combines the human justice with the earth justice. And certainly our crime, our sin is that we go too quickly to that convenience. In that song, the the, the sort of payoff is it's that convenience that gets me. When we're uh, deferring to comforts, shortcuts, conveniences, and then we're in the land of advertising and we let our advertiser come up to us and threaten us with the loss of our good looks or the loss of our success or the, our status or our health. Or They'll, they'll threaten anything they can.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You know,
2: and buy this product and you'll be all right. You know, buy this credit card, you won't be broke. You know, it goes on and on. We have to change how we live. That's the lesson. We have to change the thing that looks most normal to us. That's going to be hard to do. But now now we're out of time. Now we're out of time. The the Democratic Party quietly took out of its platform its Bernie Sanders-generated idea from that wing of the party, Elizabeth Warren and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and so forth, that idea that we stop subsidizing big oil. They're rich enough. Stop giving tax money to big oil. And that was right in the platform, and it disappeared. (laughs)
1: oh no no no, no.
2: somebody yeah as of as of joe biden's speech last night it had disappeared despite joe's repetition of of the phrase climate change we're going to do something about climate change i'm glad he said that but oh if you're gonna if you're gonna keep giving tax money to big oil to uh drill and scrape and gouge the earth and then refine it and then put carbon into the air and all the whole bit all the plastics and all the pesticides all the industrial, agriculture, all the stuff that comes from fossil fuel. That pretty much has to change in a, in a radical way. So we'll have to see if Joe wins. He's been adopting more and more of the Green New Deal, but he's been doing it in chunks. Without adopting the phrase Green New Deal, he's been taking it in chunks. You know.
1: Hopefully by the time the election happens that he'll be completely chunky very chunky.
2: I hope so. I mean, right now we have more than 100 fires in California. We have the pandemic across the country. And on the East Coast, we're just sitting now between hurricanes. We had one last week. We're going to have another one next week. It's supposed to be 25 hurricanes this year. So what have you got? You've got a countrywide, a USA-wide series of messages from this conscious living being, which is the Earth. And we lost the ability to understand what she says. We've lost that ability since the Industrial Revolution. You can date it back to whenever you want to, but we lost that ability to hear, to sense the message from the earth.
1: So have you been connecting up with Extinction Rebellion? I'm thinking that somehow, if you know about Extinction Rebellion, I think they need the stop-shop inquiry there for when they close down the federal government next April, do you know about them? Have you been enlightened yet?
2: Well, they come to us to be enlightened, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're an 18-year-old outfit here. <laughs> we know some things that they need to know, and they come to us and they say they do. First of all, we were invited to the original Extinction Rebellion in London. We couldn't go. We regret that. Sometimes we run out of money. But when they came to New York, extinction Rebellion was taken over by a group. And we should have put up a bigger stink. We should have resisted. But they started out on the wrong foot. They started out with their initial actions. Now, the environmental movement, the NGOs are 80% white. And that's one of the biggest reasons that they're so weak. They've been unable to really educate the American public about climate change is because they don't represent the American public. They are a certain kind of person. And, you know, some of my best friends are in those making a living from the Sierra Club. Okay. But as an institution, they've been weak. They have not done the job. And Extinction Rebellion, I'm sorry to have to report, has joined those weak NGOs. They get a lot of grant money. They're in the money game. But as far as their work in the neighborhoods, they're another white environmental group. And that's too bad. They missed a real opportunity. I mean, a group of us went to their early meetings here in New York, and we just told them till we were blue in the face. You've got to slow down. You've got to go and talk to black and brown people in the neighborhood. You have to go to the community gardens, go to the universities, go and find natural scientists who are people of color. There are all kinds of places. And then when you find them, share the power with them. Don't colonialize them. Don't go there and say, join me it's Black Lives Matter time. Go there and give away your power. It's not the white person's time to be in charge anymore. Share the power. And Joe Biden did the right thing going to Kamala. I'm really proud of him for that. She lost the election. She didn't know how to do it quite. She went off the rails a little bit. And he won the election, but he was elected by black people. And Remember, South Carolina was at one of the Carolinas, put him ahead. And then he turned around and he went to the next generation and he went to a person with Caribbean and South Asian ethnicity. That was a good move. And that's the era we're in. Now we have to kick out Trump and we have to stop this white supremacy. And we have to go to the people that have followed him. And they have to realize, again, they have to become aware. A lot of them, they come up to us when we're on the streets, locking arms in front of some Walmart or something. <laughs> they come up to us and they say, hey, Trump isn't racist. <laughs> and they, they actually believe that.
1: Right. Yeah. You
2: know, I've had my own relatives tell me, Donald Trump isn't a racist. We have a lot of work to do. Go back to the earth. I mean, we just source it at the earth. We just go to the earth and ask, tell us what to do. And go back to earth cultures. Go back to the people who are of the earth. The Stop Shopping Choir of course we went to Standing Rock. Of course we did. Of course, we stood there with the hundreds of people from all these different tribes from around the world. They had a lot to teach us. I remember that we were on the shores of Lake Oahu, and we were at dawn. And the elders told us, this was when they were asking for allies. They wanted white people to be there, and people of all races to be there, because they were under attack by the paramilitary They were fighting on behalf of the oil companies. And the people in the government who were corrupted by the oil companies, like Donald Trump is one of the people, and they were being attacked. They were starting to use rubber bullets. They were being surveilled. There were helicopters overhead all the time. They needed some allies. So we went there and stayed for a week with the Stop Shopping Choir. And we would get up at dawn and go down to Lake Oahu, where uh, the Cannonball River comes out of it. And the elders told us, now we want you to sing the song, sing the prayer of your own culture sing your water song, your water prayer from your culture. And so this sound rose up from Earth culture people, First Nations people, from the Grand Canyon tribe, from the beaches of Goa, from Madagascar, from Lapland. I mean, it was just all the ecosystems rose up into the air at the same time. And we had our song Water, water, flow into me. We had our song. And the sound that went up into the air, I stopped for a moment and I listened to it. And it sounded like water. It sounded like a a rushing river. And we were standing next to the Cannonball River, next to the Oahu, bigger the Missouri River, the Oahu River, we were water, we're made of water. We were water expressing ourselves with our cultural orientation into a sound of water from around the earth. And we were next to the water. We were defending the water against the oil companies. It was all mind-bogglingly unified. We learned a lot at that moment when we were in front of Patrick Lynch's police bunker. (laughs) We had that in us. We had the earth in us. The earth gives us the justice, power, and you can carry it into your LGBTQ. You can carry it into your defense of your neighborhood against a luxury tower. You can carry it to whatever form your justice needs to take right now.
1: Amen. A hey folks is what I say.
2: A hey folks. earth Earth-a-loo-ya. Yes. Folks ya
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have somewhere you've got to head to pretty soon. So I want to go out with just one more song. What would you recommend to deliver the message of Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir?
2: Well, you know, the, the Sixth Extinction is at hand, and we're privileged to be communicating with one of our supporters, Elizabeth Colbert who wrote that book, The Sixth Extinction, and wrote a piece about us in the New Yorker magazine. And we believe that the Earth is evolving. She's in her extinction. And that much of life, if previous extinctions are any model, and I think they are, much of life will have to be converted into compost to nourish the survivors, right? All 15 years of your radio show will have to be (laughs) cultivated into the soil. So we don't say that we're going to save the Earth we ask the earth if we can join in in some way, if we can join the evolution. Our fate is not the issue. Although I have a 10-year-old, and boy, I want her to have a good life. Our fate really isn't ours to decide at this point. Mitigation of our crimes, oh, all right, but let's be realistic. We're too late. Let's be realistic. Let's be joyful. It'll give us a better chance of surviving. It'll give us a better chance of defeating Amazon and Walmart and the big polluting companies. But no, let's just ask the Earth. I'm made of the Earth. Mark, you're made of the Earth. We're, we have the, the, the material and the spirit, the animating life spirit is in us. We're just grateful for that. And it makes us joyful. It makes us musical. It makes us dance. And yeah, let's be honest, it is... In fact, the end of the world. It's the end of the world that we used to live. Whatever's coming, it's not the same world, (laughs) all right? So that's the name of this song that you're about to hear. It's one of our anthems. We start our shows with this song, The End of the World.
1: And we're going to listen to that song, but first I'm going to say goodbye to Rev Billy. But before I say goodbye, I got to say super thank you. Thank you. Thank the earth. Thank you for being faithful to the earth, following the lead there. Oh, Mark. And to do that with the Stop Shopping Choir, with this dedicated people for 18 years now, I think you've been doing this. And people can find out more about that at RevBilly.com, including his podcast. You want to tune in. We started with one of his sermons. You'll hear more of this and and more of what we need to be faithful to the earth. You'll find more of it if you just listen to RevBilly.com.
2: That's good preaching, Mark. St. Mark! (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. In your church today.
1: Amen. (laughs) And thank you again for doing the work. Thank you to Savitri and to all the others who are putting their lives in the proper service. I look forward to hearing more from you.
2: Let's stay in touch, Mark. We're in the same fight.
1: Amen. So here we go out with Rev Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir. One last song. Let's all be joyful as we listen to the end of the world. We'll see you next week for Spirit in Action.